Welcome to the Libertarian Tex-Mex Podcast with your host, Caesar Aguirre. Hey everybody, what's up party people? I am back. Back with a vengeance. <laughs> uh, no, I've been um, I've been out and about, living life, you know, living the dream, so to speak. <laughs> um, you know, very much focusing on my uh, <clears throat> my regular day day work, professional work, um, and also a lot of great stuff going on in my uh, my personal life um, on almost every level. Right, I've been totally nerding out. Uh, recently, Houston had Comic Palooza come by, uh, so I totally got to nerd out. Um, not unfortunately not for the whole weekend because <laughs> i have so much stuff going on um but uh i was there for a day had a great time um got on a couple of um you know conferences where they have different topics got to see some great art um comic book collection i think i pretty i no i don't think i pretty I, i'm i definitely bought <laughs> Uh, a nice quality lightsaber okay um bought a bunch of great artwork saw some really cool cosplay out there um and just saw really exciting stuff out there um so i'm i'm just having a great time right now and then on top of that just you know um me and uh my wife i think i I had told uh everybody before that we actually purchased some solar panels and we got them um, functioning for a full month now and they have been just doing phenomenal um, on their output levels so we are super happy about that Um, and then on top you know top of that just some other personal things going on a lot of great things going on so uh, really happy with uh, with life right now you know just a lot of a lot of growth um, a lot of uh, personal choices that that everybody's making at different levels and um, you know something, you know, kind of tapping into that, you know, libertarian perspective is that you know everybody has their own interest, the things that they want to do, the things that make them happy, the lifestyle they want to live. Right? Some people want to live in a rural area. Some people want to live in a metropolitan area. Some people want to live in the suburbs. Right? Some people want to live a super religious life. Some people don't want to live in a religious life at all. Um, you know, some people want to enjoy the <laughs> the nerd culture of Comic Palooza and comic books. You know, so and I think the really cool thing is, from a libertarian overall philosophical, you know, uh, political philosophy, is everybody should be able to live the life they want to, right? And and for for us as libertarians, and for me specifically, you know, I feel like once you're not living, the, you know, the 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 cookie cutter or the copy and paste lifestyle that maybe others have um, that you find your own niche um, in the things that you like and the things that you're interested in and you do them and you're not harming anybody but you're enjoying it with other people the things that you want to do living the life you want that is almost the ultimate happiness right um, <clears throat> and obviously you have that other dynamic of, of love, right? Um, love and happiness are kind of a dual thing, and not not always do they 
not always do they overlap but you know let's say maybe you want a family and that's where you're going to develop your love but you know also understanding the passions that you have as an individual person you know the things that you like to do the the skills that you've gained um, those things that you have before you have a family and before you have children and then you have to express that love to them um, <clears throat> that is such a great imprint on to the things that you know like I said if you choose to have a family um, those are great things you're gonna be able to imprint onto them is a passion and love for something beyond just you know working and having kids you know uh, but then again, you know, if there's some people out there that are just like, hey, I just want the basic life package. I just want a job. I want a kid. I want a nice home. That's pretty much it. I'm bare bones. Then you know what, dude? Live your life, right? Do what you want to do. <clears throat> you know, for, I think for, but I think most people generally understand that, hey, I do need to have something, a passion or a hobby of my own. Um, I need to... I need to show or express some individualism, you know. Um, and you know, we get it. We all live in we all live and work in you know kind of communal environments. You know, offices that have ground rules. Uh, maybe companies that have kind of a corporate, very high level culture or whatever. Um, and that's okay. That's totally fine. But I and I think at that level, they're looking at a way. To keep everybody on an even keel and to make sure that they can respect all ideas and you know all you know different religious backgrounds or non-religious or lifestyle choices you know I think at the corporate level they're trying to encompass everybody kind of a more global sense um, but then you as an individual you have that choice to say do I want to do this or that these are the things I'm picking in my own individual life but guess what when I go to go to work and I got to go uh, out into the social, um, you know, uh, community environments. I have to learn to be a little bit more broader and, and respectful of other people, even though I don't agree with them, right? Uh, maybe I don't agree with them, right? Their lifestyle choices or whatever. But I have to understand, at least at some individual level, that these are their choices, and I have to respect that choice right there. Um, <clears throat> you know, even I was listening to uh, Joe Rogan um, interview Tulsi Gabbard, um, who I think I, I, I think she's awesome, right? I don't agree with her 100%, but I think a lot of the stuff she says, we for sure see eye to eye. Um, and one of the things they were talking about is essentially our foreign policy, um, how we're, you know, um, essentially meddling in other people's business even though we don't like it when people meddle with us i mean look look how much drama is being created by the russian probe or this idea that the russian government was trying to influence voters i mean not even in a uh clandestine like you know macabre like type of you know manipulate the political system so russia could take over it was quite literally like russia trolling the united states to see if it could influence people on social media and guess what it did but you know what this is a total playbook from you know the united states i mean we've been you know um influencing and manipulating governments all across the world for you know <laughs> decades you know um and and more on an overt level like not even just trolling people on social media in venezuela right like we are quite literally inciting riots and um 
you know, overthrowing rulers and stuff like that. So I, I think for me, it's just a little bit hypocritical uh, for, you know, voices in the government to kind of criticize that, even though we've been doing it probably the most in the best <laughs> sadly and tragically the best way to manipulate the world the global political the global political scale um and then you know russia is kind of um clapping back so to speak and we're upset about it instead of just saying hey you know maybe they were trying to troll us but we need to be a little bit smarter um instead of trying to do a probe about you know trying to unearth some weird you know plot you know some manchurian candidate stuff um, so anyways, but I mean, one of the uh, interesting conversations they had, um, I, I haven't gone through all of it, but, you know, essentially hearing about them talk about the fact that countries like Syria and other countries we've meddled with um, really just want to solve things out themselves and not just, you know, uh, Assad, but, you know, other, you know, other, other rival opponents in their same country understand that feeling that they want to handle it themselves they don't want outside influence they want to handle this themselves and for libertarians we understand that quite succinctly right we i think we understand that as um you know um i think we well yeah it's it's called the right to self-determination right the that individual right we have as individuals to determine the outcome of our lives right whether we want to become, you know, go to business, or we want to go to engineering or medical, or we want to have kids or not have kids, or we want to be religious or not religious, or we want to we want to just you know go neck you know knee deep or neck deep into you know owning guns out the guazu, or maybe not understanding on the other side like how to live a peaceful life without without guns I mean that that idea that we as individuals have the right to self-determination the ability to determine the life I want to live um, you scale that up and you say well duh countries want to do that as well like <laughs> masses of people want to do that as well and I think honestly you know the reputation that the United States from the beginning you know through now like the old classic reputation that the united states has is that of independence and self-determination and somehow we've totally um you know totally devolved into the per the the country or the the regimen uh regime or the hegemony that wants to manipulate other people into doing what we want them to do not that idea that we are the country that believes in self-determination and independence and that if we believe this on our own that other people should do that as well on their own i think we've just dramatically drifted um <clears throat> obviously since you know world war one and world war two um about that idea that other countries um should be fighting their own battles um, and I think it has much to do with, you know, the kind of special interest, um, you know, the political influence of the milita military industrial complex, who, you know, was this big machine after World War I and World War II and was trying to find something to do. So they were they're trying to keep that money flowing um, into their pockets by creating new needs for wars and machines and cold, you know, Cold War, Vietnam War 
Latin America overthrowing, you know, uh, military coups, the Middle East. I mean, you quite literally pick a, a year and, you know, any year, any any year since the end of World War II, and there's always been some quote-unquote, you know, um, crisis that the United States has to throw money at. And I think it's always in places where, you know, they... Um, they they need to do this themselves right they need to de decide the outcome themselves and i think we understand that right i think as 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 texans as americans as as individualists as libertarians we understand that we don't want other people to fight our fights we want we want us to determine the outcome right whether we win or lose um that is such a big um such a big um, basic right, right? You know, the uh, inalienable rights of life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness. To me, that those three summarize the the right to self determination. You know, that nobody can give us these rights, but in the fact that these are our own already, naturally, and that we have to go out there and and find the the life that we want. Um, nobody's going to give it to us. You know. I think that's such a good for me I, I like that mindset is you know hey you know these things aren't um, you know these things like you know getting a good job or getting a nice house or or, or you know me, meeting the love of your life these things aren't guaranteed to you right you've got to go out and seek them the only thing that you naturally have right is your own life your own freedom and the your own ability to find your own happiness right you have those things natural rights you know a government can't grant you those rights those are already yours the moment you were born so i think to take those natural rights and go out there and seek the the the, the quote-unquote the things that people are calling rights now right which is a home or owning a car um you know owning health insurance right those things aren't rights those things are products and services that you buy in the market you know and you know going out there and you know working and going out there and doing your thing to get those things and sometimes you make sacrifices right sometimes you you know for me it's like hey you know i guess i can't go out and party like a rock star anymore right because i got to think about my insurance and not going to the hospital i got to think about my mortgage um you know uh, I got to think about my car and not getting like going out there drinking and driving and wrecking my car because I'm going out and partying and like a rock star like I like it's a right of mine to go out there and party as hard as I want to. Um, not a right. It's not a right. Those things for us as libertarians are things we have to work up to. Um, and then obviously the things around that, you know, in terms of making sure uh, we ha everybody who um, you know, is within our economy has the ability to, you know, move up and out from poverty, um, move up and out from, you know, maybe no education to getting an edu a valued education or whatever, or an education that puts them in the job they want to. Um, those types of freedom of mobility, of movement is um, the thing that we should really be looking at in terms of a legal system or you we can call it even even in the natural right is the pursuit of happiness right the ability for somebody to come in fresh off the street fresh off from another country and being able to say hey 
you know, if you come here and you know you go to school, you go to college, um, you get a right, you get you know you get a job and you work, you're gonna earn, right? You're gonna be able to earn, um, you know, that car or that house or an education for your kids. You know, the freedom to not be, um, you know, um, you know, to not not be under uh, you know some authoritarian in another country, right? That type of thing is so valued um, all around the world, and I think that was the prime reputation in the United States is this country that believes in freedom and independence, and that if you are a person that knows uh, that that wants to work hard and is here to earn uh, earn their keep, so to speak, then this is the place for you. And and uh, you know, honestly, I mean, I know it's kind of internally, you know, American to American, we talk about, you know, kind of the uh, you know the rich are getting richer and that you know it's harder for people to earn a degree and get a, a decent job and etc like that but I tell you what the you know the uh, the immigrants that are coming in um, they don't have that problem right they're looking at our our uh, our system of education and, and economy and going are you saying all I have to do is become a doctor an engineer and I can make buku amount of money and and just have any car I want to or you know the job I want to and my family can live safe and you know my I can take my kids to the greatest universities in the world done easy right because <laughs> I mean if you look at the rates of, of immigrants of like Indian um, or like uh, Indian or Chinese or Latin American they're taking up filling in that void uh, on the economy of this huge need for engineers and, and medicine and medical right of doctors you know the the local american uh, 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 you know uh, citizens have basically enjoyed such a boom in the economy that they just don't feel the need to fill in those like nuts and bolts uh, jobs in the economy and they're like you know we got a little bit of room to wiggle let me you know let me be a you know let me be a painter or, or whatever. And, and and again, I'm not dogging on artists, uh, but for sure, you know, I think if we were kind of old school, if we lived almost 200 years ago, uh, if you think about the kind of the role of an artist, um, it was kind of um, kind of a side thing, right? Like you had your day job, like you had to be a carpenter or a business person, you had to sell something. Like you had a day job that made you and earned you money, right? you know you had to keep living and then um, on the side you'd be selling your art or your your music or whatever it is and so again not to say that these things are not necessary it's just we've evolved so much that now those artists and those extra things that give life color um, are now these things that you could actually focus in on full-time but what I was trying to say is but still at that core at that base of like necessary jobs necessary uh you know labor you know of of engineers mechanics um you know medical doctors nurses um you know your your first responders right like firefighters you know police officers all those things that really make a society function on the reg like even business people right i think for me you know not to be biased um, <laughs> on my own job, but you know, um, you know, just regular people that work in you know a mid-size 
well, hell, small, mid, or even large companies that are just like, I'm an accountant, or I'm a sales rep, or whatever. I mean, these people work day to day like they bust their tails to keep the economy and trade flowing. Um, and this really helps us boost, you know, in terms of, of a product availability or uh, financials, bringing money into the house. I, f I think for me, <clears throat> you know, there's always like teacher appreciation or, you know, uh, nurse appreciation or first responders appreciation. I think there should be some like business appreciation. You know, the people that are just like working day to day to put, you know, food on their plates, uh, you know, make their kids keep going to school and, and you know, having backpacks and clothes and this the day to day stuff that you don't never get you don't ever get recognition for. And it's the hardest thing to do, right? It's so hard to just live a normal life, work day to day, you know, incrementally, you know, working through, you know, whatever debts or issues you have, just working through it. And nobody ever says, hey, you know what, mom, mom and dad, thanks for going to work every day. And thanks for earning that income. And thanks for, you know, uh, not making, you know, crazy risks that we lose our money. But thanks for just taking your time and just working through your entire life. I really appreciate that. It's weird, isn't it? <laughs> but you know what? It makes the economy going, man. It keeps us keeps us flowing. So anyways, but rewinding back to the self-determination thing, um, it, it's really such a vital, important part of the libertarian philosophy. And I think a lot of people miss it. I think a lot of times we are, you know, chasing our own tails, um, going topic to topic and thinking about what position, um, you know, is the more libertarian position. Um, but we're just kind of going one problem at a time. And we're not looking at general principle, right? We're not looking at that high level, high level idea and then going down and executing it and going, OK, does this apply in this situation or not? Um, and if it doesn't, you know, what's the gray area, you know, um, what what wiggle room is there to um, to talk about that? Or even I would say, you know, in the history of, of uh, the United States and, and even Texas independence, you know, um, you know, the the history for the United States, um, uh, you know, the American Revolution, we did get help from the French. Um, it wasn't. Uh, super uh, intensive, but um, correct me if, if I have any historians out there. Correct me if I'm wrong, but from what I've read, um, they obviously had people volunteer um, individually to come and help um, with the American Revolution, because obviously French, the French and English were always um, at war. They were at war with each other, uh, and then and then on top of that, I, th I believe the French government was providing maybe some weapons and some supplies. But never were the French as an official, as the country of France, sending official French military to the United States or officially sending the French military uh, supplies or anything like that. It was always kind of low key and to the side. Uh, you know, French, uh, the French were like, if you want to go out and fight the war um, with America, go ahead. We won't, you know. Um, consider you a traitor or anything like that whatever blah, blah blah and then you know that's how they got involved from my understanding with the the war with the brits um and then obviously you know a lot of uh, a lot of historians do say that one of the prime reasons that the the british 
conceded to the American Revolution was because they were also trying to fight a war with France. So, you know, fighting a war on multiple fronts does do wear and tear. So they kind of realized that it was costing them a, a ton of money, <clears throat> a ton of resources. So they would, it would just be easier to cut their losses and, and move on type of thing. So there was that influence. But in terms of, in terms of <clears throat> intervention, you know, that the entire country or France didn't come to the United States and invade the United States and then fight the war for us, right? Um, completely off the table. But somehow our current US, you know, our current foreign policy is just exactly that, right? We always like to go in, we always like to put our troops on on their soil. We take over the government and then you know what? Once we're there, we will fight your war for you, right? Um, and then you know, hey, well, you know, since we did put all this time and effort, we're going to stay here for a while. Uh, we're going to tell you how to do, do your politics. Um, and then maybe after 100 years, we'll leave, right? Maybe. And that never happens. So this idea that, you know, we're just here to help, quote unquote, never works, right? It's always like, hey, we're here to take over. That's pretty much it. So I think in terms of interventionist policy, we have totally just like wet the bed with this idea and instead of being kind of a low-key even if the you know even at that level of how French how the French helped us right like hey you know um, unofficially we're gonna be providing you with um, you know some of our military industrial contracts like they're gonna they're gonna sell you these weapons um, we're not gonna arrest them or whatever like we're just we're gonna allow them to sell you these weapons uh, maybe we'll give you some supplies maybe hey if there's some American volunteers that want to fight on their own we were not going to say no we're not going to put them in jail more of like a passive role i could at least maybe maybe understand that right but ultimately as a libertarian we ultimately believe in self-determination so really we should stick to that right really we should say hey countries we get you're in a political revolution we get uh, you're fighting something um, on your own there, but we don't want to get involved because we don't know where these things are going to land and we don't want to influence the outcome, right? Like we don't want it to negatively influence the outcome. Like you guys really need to, to, to figure this out yourself. Once the, the, the dust settles, uh, we will do whatever we can to promote right the right the self-determination. Honestly, as, as diplomats, we should be, you know, promoting our ideas as an independent country we should be promoting that idea when we go out there and talk to people not shoving it down people's throats um, and then honestly the biggest influence in the in the world is free trade right like the moment you, you the moment you exchange in free market in free trade you know um, you are exchanging goods for services that's really the the meat and potatoes of interaction in in changing as a world is once we finally meet each other and we're shaking each other's hands and we see how we can benefit with each other right on goods and services um, you know some someone's providing you know a country has really nice natural resources in this one thing but we have nice resources in the other thing so can you buy this stuff and I'll buy your stuff and we can do a market price um, and then and then from there we're trading every day our our operations people are interacting um, we get new experiences we understand you know where we kind of are similar and we understand where our differences are and they're both good they're both bad we take what we want right 
that's ultimately what the free market is, right? Free market is not is not a um, it's not a myth. It's it's like quite literally the thing you do day to day that's happening every day. You may or may not see it, right? But the moment you inter- you, moment you interchange with somebody and say, "I want this service or this product. How much do you want for it?" And they throw out a price, and you in you know, and then you agree and you buy or whatever. That's free market, man. I mean, that's that's ultimately what the free market is, right? A buying or selling of products or services that people are willing to do with each other. Now we get it. There's all these things about you know regulation and laws and things that keep people from getting like screwed over from you know bad products or bad services totally get that that is going to be another that can be another topic altogether about how effective those things are but for now that the general concept of free trade and free market is out there and it's happening day to day right global the global trade economy is you know much bigger than your domestic economy now and especially in the United States, specifically in Houston, the uh, you know the global market is one of our biggest economies um, in Texas. But in Houston, it's the prime prime economy, right? We're always buying and selling oil, oil and gas, energy. Um, it's the Houston. Uh, you know, if you didn't know, the Houston, the port of Houston, is one of the biggest ports in the United States. I mean, not just oil and gas even though that's one of the big ones, but a lot of your products get uh, dropped off here from all these different countries. So Houston has always been a really cool, um, really nice center of international um, trade and international cooperation, uh, but then it also still has a local root of, of being Texan. And um, I think it's I think it's uh, really great um, growing up here in Houston is a really good dualistic uh, uh, per- view on things that like you, Obviously, you have your local view, but then you also have this understanding of of internationalism um, and its role in how that how that uh, how you see those things. But, <clears throat> anyways, going back to the self determination issue, not only do we have to understand how this is done in a foreign policy situation, but also you know the big thing that a lot of people are talking about now is you know states that are doing full ban abortions uh, full ban on abortions and they're completely overstepping the Supreme Court um, Supreme Court ruling from a long time ago Roe versus Wade and now they are really challenging the Supreme Court in that decision um, ultimately I think it's a political move that they're trying to push it to the Supreme Court to change their minds but uh, I think it's I think abortion is one of the hottest topics we have in the United States, uh, and not that it's a well. I mean, maybe depending on who you are, it could be, it could be or it could not be. But it's a pretty uh, divisive um, topic um, in the United States um, for sure. I mean, I know, and and, and I think you just to to give you some perspective, I know uh, many many other countries. Um, including European ones, including very progressive ones, still um, um, have very restrictive laws on abortion. So I think the fact that um, that here in the United States, um, you know, kind of a, it's still partially legal, um, and we here we're debating the merit of it versus um, should we have it or not. I think is a good step in the right direction, but it still needs to be. 
uh, talked about. It still needs to be discussed. And understanding, I think, for us, I, I saw, uh, I, I didn't, I didn't listen to it, but I wish I did. But it's from the podcast We Are Libertarian. Um, they did a like uh, a podcast on like the abortion debate, like uh, a reasonable, calm discussion on on, on abortion was basically a, a two libertarians. One was pro life, um, you know. One is pro choice, and uh, I didn't get to listen to all of it. I'm still getting through it, but I think it was great. I think it was great. The idea is great in the sense that. We need to have we need to start having normal, reasonable discussions versus the kind of dramatic, overly emotional ones. Um, in terms of someone's calling you a baby killer, and then you know you're calling the other person like a, the Gestapo or the Nazis or whatever. Like these type of uh, you know um, over the top arguments really need to die down, and we need to understand understand it from a little bit more of a structural logical level of you know what are the reasons for pro-life what are the reasons for pro-choice understanding you know that that it's not always a uh, a black and white issue it has a lot of gray area and i think for me personally on in terms of where i lean which is um obviously on the side of choice um is the fact that you know i think I think that when it comes to the pro-life argument as an overall principle, like high-level general concept, I understand the reasoning of that idea of protecting the rights of an unborn of, uh, of an unborn child. But then, when we go down to the individual circumstances and we see how it's not only about that, but maybe it could be about the survivability of the mother or the uh, you know. Uh, the un, you know maybe a, a, a mother or a, a woman doesn't feel like they should have a child uh, in their life right now or there could be some income or environmental reasons that they're not having so once we once we get down to the individual level and the individual reasons that are happening that general principle of pro-life for me kind of breaks down and so I would rather err on the side of choice and allow more individuals to decide the outcome of their own life when it comes to that topic versus having an, a full-out ban. Sorry, I'm dealing with allergies. A full-out ban on it and not allowing anybody the individualization that we need, right? Or what we would say in tying this together is, you know, the, the right to self-determination, right? The right to the life that you want to live, whether it is with a child or without a child. Um, or whether you feel like you're ready or you're not ready, um, those things need to be made at an individual level. So for me, I think when I come down to it, I go, you know what? I understand the arguments that many pro-life uh, people make, but I also understand the the arguments that many pro-choice people make. And for me, I would rather err on the um, the side of choice and let people continue to make individual choices based off of this. Um, while we tackle those issues that maybe we could deal with um, and reduce that or or maybe on the other side is like you know instead of uh, and this is kind of a, a joke recently is like you know if whether you're a liberal or a conservative or what a progressive or a conservative you're kind of saying whatever I don't like is banned and whatever I do like everybody should have you know whether you're a conservative or a progressive so why are we always so quick to ban uh, things on a legal basis 
you know, if it's something that you're very passionate about, you know, whether it is, you know, protecting the rights of children or whether it's protecting the rights of a mother, um, why not try to go out there and, and convince people, you know, um, show them a good argument. Let's talk about it. Let me convince you on an individual personal level to do or not to do um, versus forcing and shoving your ideas down people's throats by legally making them do or do not, you know? So I think for me, I think it always comes down to if you really believe in it, if you really believe in pro-life or you really believe that everybody should uh, be pro-choice, go out there and convince people. Go out there and talk to people, your family, your friends, uh, your community, and go out there and make the case um, and, and fight the good fight at the ground level, at the grassroots level, you know? Um, you know, if you're a really pro-life person, you don't want people to have, you know, to have an abortion, then, you know, go out there and talk to your family, go out there and talk to your church, um, you know, make them put a, a commitment or a vow to never have an abortion, that type of, or whatever it is, right? Whatever it is, but at least you're working on the individual level and not this mass ban level that very often and more often than not, it just goes completely wrong, right? And it's not because the idea is is bad we get it you know we understand that that idea those ideas it's just the execution of it is very terrible right and it doesn't apply to everybody circumstances are very different and that's when it comes down to the individual level whether it's legal or not people are going to make their own decision so instead of putting people in this quote-unquote legal situation um, let them make their decision and you know let's let's figure out a better way to get to where we need to go because i mean maybe heck you know if if it's a i, I know in texas we have a, a huge rate of um like teen pregnancy you know and i'm wondering i, I mean i'm not doing the i haven't done the statistics here you know of those of that of those number of of girls that are are being getting pregnant at, at teenage age how many of them ha are having abortions right and if they are then maybe we should talk about um you know um sex education or telling talking to our kids about safe sex because there is a lot of good studies to say that states and areas that do have a good like sex education or safe sex practices talking to the kids about safe sex usually usually have a great reduction in an unwanted pregnancies so maybe we're looking at this all the wrong way like maybe the pro-life people you know instead of saying we're going to ban um abortion maybe we should say hey you know what you know you you should go one step further and if you don't want abortion you know people to have abortions you need to be encouraging sex education and safe sex uh, because one thing leads to another right so if if you really want to hit the root of it and reduce the amount of uh, abortions that are happening, t teach your kids and tell your schools to teach sex education and really strongly encourage that, right? Because if they're practicing safe sex, they're not going to have kids, right? They're not going to get pregnant. So you'll be able to like eliminate the abortion problem from a logical structural level um, versus just, you know, fighting things at their face value you're looking at it from the root like what's really causing this and i can tell you in texas for sure the teen pregnancy rate is one of the highest in the nations i'm not sure about the abortion rate compared to the rest of the uh, rest of the united states but i would safely say that if our abortion rate is high in texas and our pregnancy rate our teen pregnancy rate is high also 
I know for sure it's because of the lack of sex education. So if you want to reduce your abortion rates and you want to reduce your teen pregnancy rates, <laughs> this would be the easiest way. And then guess what? When a teenager doesn't get pregnant, guess what they'll be able to do when they finish high school? Go to college, get a job, earn income, and then they can have a family like a normal, like, you know, like an average person, right? So there's nothing wrong with saying, hey, if you're really you know, pro-life, why don't you focus on sex education? You know, because then you solve the pro-life issue, and then you also solve the issue of all these kids who don't even finish high school or they don't they don't go to college. So their earning income is so is very low, and then they have to deal uh, with you know raising a child with very low income. Maybe they have to get on um, social services. You know, it's just like a trickled, it's like a domino effect um, when it comes to this sex education thing. So I would say, hey, if you're a conservative, you know, uh, that a pro-life conservative who doesn't like, you know, the welfare system and doesn't like, um, you know, pro-life, doesn't like abortion and, you know, uh, doesn't like uh, people who don't make money and, you know, all these weird things, um, then it's like, okay, why don't you put more focus on sex education finishing high school getting people to college and then once that happens and they have you know a degree and they can work in the market um and they they're not having kids at 16 then guess what you've solved most of these problems most of these people will be able to get out of low-income jobs uh, um, low-income wages they'll be able to get out of social security or, or social welfare um they won't have an abortion like all those things that you're so worried about could easily be solved if you just put a little bit more focus on sex education, getting people and getting people to pass high school, and then getting them into college. Because I think once you do most of those things, you could solve a lot of your uh, problems that conservatives really whine about. So, anyways, but I think ultimately for libertarians, it's always going to be about the right to self determination, and you could take it both ways, right? You could say it's it's the mother's right to self determination on her own life. And then you can also say it's, well, it's the child's right to self-determine if they want to live, right? They won't be able to self-determine until they're born and, and you know, uh, until they're 18, so to speak, right? Young adults. So you could take it both ways. But I, I think for me as an individual, I don't like to say pro-choice, even though I, I think technically I am as a libertarian. Like, I believe in choice. Like, uh, at almost everything. I think the people who use the phrase pro-choice aren't really pro-choice, right? If somebody says, like, I'm pro-choice, and then you're like, oh, okay, are you for drugs or against drugs? Like, are you for countries fighting their own wars or or intervening? Are you for the free market or no free market? Like, once you say somebody's like, no, no, I don't mean free market. You know, we should have regulation. No, 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 I don't mean you know countries should fight their own wars i think we should intervene when they're having problems you know once they start chipping away at that quote-unquote choice then you realize you're not pro-choice you're just you're just pro-abortion right and the same thing with pro-life you know these people saying well we're, we're fighting for the rights of, of this unborn children like okay if you're pro-life do you protect the lives of you know illegal immigrants do you protect the lives of you know civilians in a in a war zone that that we're dropping bombs on um do you believe in the life you know the environmental protection like you know clean waters and you know trash and you know 
the toxicity of the environment like that's a life on his own are you environmental protection are you about letting you know illegal immigrants in and taking care of them like there's more on the social side of you know taking care of life but then you always get to like no 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 we don't want illegals we we want to fight wars um you know we we want we want we want the environment to, to handle itself type of thing like they're they're not protecting life they're not pro-life they're anti-abortion right so me i think it always boils down to euphemisms right they're not really pro-life they're not really pro-choice you're anti-abortion or you're pro-abortion you know that's that's pretty much what it comes down to you're you're everything everything else you believe as a pro-life person is not pro-life and then everything you believe as a pro-choice person person is not ch about choice so don't use that term because you don't mean it right that that's where i fall on that but i think me as a person uh, as a libertarian you know i understand the arguments of, of pro-life i understand those and then i also understand the arguments of pro-choice and the only way they're going to coexist together is by allowing people the option on their own to either you personally um don't ha don't don't have an abortion or you personally do get an abortion and i think when it comes to convincing people to go one way or the other you as an individual you as a free market person have to go out there and convince people to do it we we should not be using laws and bans to make people do certain things for me i feel like that's that's where i kind of lean on that one so anyways but anyways, I'm going to cut this one short today. I just wanted to do, uh, reach out to everybody and say, hey, that uh, I'm still alive and kicking. Uh, I'm really just enjoying life right now. There's so much going on. Uh, life is booming. I guess it's kind of like, you know, hat in hand with springtime. Everything's growing. There's a lot of things going on. There's a, so many great things. If you're living in Texas right now, I mean, springtime is obviously the time when we just explode with a lot of activity. So a lot of concerts. A lot of great events a lot of outdoors um we're gonna be just enjoying it um here uh for now um you know I, I, if if you know me and you know me and my wife we, we we don't have currently currently don't have any kids but we are planning on have some soon so um i think uh we're gonna kind of enjoy as much as we can until that happens <laughs> and then once we do we'll be able to share all that love and all that passion and other things that we have with our kids um and be able to pass on that to them so anyways um again keep rocking the free world out there um hope everybody is living living their best life um as the uh, the youth the youths say living your best life living your own truth and uh we'll see you next time